0: Tonight is our third and final lesson of a series that we're focused on concerning prophecy and the end time message. Now, I'll give a couple of disclaimers throughout, but I'll start with the first one. It is impossible to relay all that the Bible has to offer about the last day of time or end time in the settings that we have and the time frame. This is an exhaustive study, and I would invite you to do thorough research um, and make sure that you're in the scripture. Um, the The study of of prophecy is wide and varied. So if you're looking at the Bible and you start reading even from Genesis on, You'll find out that there was many prophetic words given to kings and to people, to individuals, to nations. Some of those prophecies came to pass uh, on the next page. Some of them came to pass, and a few years later, uh, David would write uh, psalms, and he was prophetic in the, the advent or the, the inception or the birth of Jesus Christ, um, that he would be born of a virgin, where he would be born, in Bethlehem. Um, there were there were there are psalmists. The psalmists wrote about the death of Jesus Christ. That not one of his bones would be broken. Isaiah Isaiah chapter fifty three is a prophetic chapter about the death of Jesus Christ. As a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. The prophecy of the scripture is is throughout the entire 66 books of the Bible. Prophetic words are given. So the Bible has a lot to say about what will come and how it will come to pass. When we, when we journey to uh, to this particular subject of the Scripture, the Bible has these Scriptures that talk about the end time or prophetic words. <clears throat> and those prophetic words... Have to do with where we live today, and what's happening today in our lives. So, what I what I'd like to do is just methodically walk through some of the end time prophecies. Now, there there are uh, there are folks who would rather not talk about the subject because it makes them nervous or fearful, and I I would say to that. Um, if, if you will dedicate your life to God, there's really nothing to be afraid of, but it's important that you know the signs of the times. If you're driving down a road and there are signs on the road that says hazardous ahead or the bridge is out, you should pay attention to that. Now, has anyone ignored a street sign only to find out that you, you, um, you should not have ignored that street sign? Uh, going in, going from uh, from Singer, Louisiana, over to Texas. Um, there's a there's a road. I can't remember what the road's name is, but it, it cuts through a little town called Fields. And I suppose that they ran out of names for uh, small towns. But you drive through Fields um, and you, you get over to Starks. I think. Um, anyway, I'm uh, I'm a little foggy uh, uh, right now, but. But we were driving and we we're going somewhere. Tammy and I were driving and, and there was a sign that said, bridge out. And she said, do you see that sign? I said, yeah, but that, there's no way that, that no one could, they wouldn't do that, you know. And I kept on driving and there was another sign that says, the bridge is out. And uh, she turned to me and said, what do you think about that? And I said, there's you know, no, there's, there's no. Sure enough, we got up to uh, the road and the bridge was out. Um, there were sufficient signs um, but I've never uh, obeyed my GPS anyway. So we had to pull all the way back and, and start over, even though um, there were signs. There are signs of the times that you should know about and you should you should pay attention to because they'll help you not only in your walk with God, but they'll help you in your level of dedication to the Lord. Now, I'll make this blanket statement. If there was ever a time... For you to be serious about your walk with the Lord, now is the time. The days of being half-hearted are long since past. You're living in a moment of unprecedented um, events. Things that have never happened before and the culmination of hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that have taken place and that have been fulfilled and that lead us to a particular end. Okay. So... I know that sounds, uh, maybe maybe for some of you who've been around a little bit, that might sound a little trite. But uh, if you, as we described last week, in the span of, if we call human history, 6,000 years of human history, um, 50 years is not a long time. It's a drop in the bucket. 100 years is a drop in the bucket. And so tonight we just, we want to, We want to just do a little more exploration into the scriptures as to what prophecy looks like. Um, So there's a couple elements that I think that are critical for us. And one element is just the simple repetition. Um, Repetition is a process of memorization. It does not give you understanding but it does leave the knowledge in your mind. You have to pray for understanding. But repetition does give you information, or a bit of knowledge, a bit, a bit of knowledge, and that knowledge then can grow into understanding. When I was very young, um, we were involved in Bible quizzing. We memorized entire books of the Bible. We memorized the Pentecostal Doctrine, uh, 1,023 verses. We memorized the book of John, Mark, Acts, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and many more scriptures. I had the, the knowledge, but I didn't have the understanding of it. But repetition does help you take the next step of understanding. So the first thing is to implant the scripture in your mind. When Jesus was tempted of Lucifer... Um, he responded with a scripture. he did not respond in in any other way, but he would just start out his response to to the devil in the wilderness when he was tempted. he would say or he said it is written, and so then he would quote the scripture now that is critical for all of us to know the scripture so first it 's by repetition and while i would i, I would Venture to repeat some of the things that I've taught here and last week and the week before, and last week with Brother Larry, uh, we we don't we don't spend exorbitant amount of time on the prophetic end time message. So, I just want to recap for you a couple things. First of all, there are many different dispensations in the in the in the timeline of humanity. We started in the garden; that was a dispensation of innocence and. In that dispensation, uh, the time period, no one knows how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before uh, they were dismissed. Everybody out of the pool, you're done. So once they sinned, once they disobeyed, they're gone. We don't know the span of time. We don't know if it was even measured in a day. We're not exactly sure how we could measure that in the span of days, months, years. We're uncertain of that. What we do know is that God always gives us a choice. So in that garden, though there may have been thousands of trees and thousands of plants to eat from, fruit and vegetables, there was one that they were not allowed to eat from. And and that's what they did. They ate from the one because without the one, they would have not been a free moral agent. The ability to do wrong makes you a free moral agent. That means you can do wrong. If you can't do wrong, then you're a robot. And God allowed you to have a choice to do right and wrong. And from that age, we, we then get into a an age of law and understanding. And then there's, there's multiple different uh, periods of time from that moment when they were removed from the garden. And it, it traces all the way down until... Until we get to Jesus Christ and his 33 and a half years of ministry uh, turned the world upside down and he empowered 12 disciples. And then they brought his doctrine, which they called the apostolic doctrine or specifically in the Bible is called the apostles doctrine. But when Jesus was walking this earth, he also uh, allowed us some insight into the end of time. And multiple things uh, occurred uh during his ministry that allowed us to see that there would come a generation that would that would rise up and that Israel would be returned to the homeland which they have uh, and then when they went back to the homeland according to matthew twenty four there was a generation that would exist, and at the end of that generation um then then uh, all of uh, all of the prophetic uh, words would be completed. Now there are there are multiple different books that contain prophecy. The two books that that we we often look at are the book of the books of Daniel and the books of and the book of Revelation. Of course, the book of Revelation is in, in almost entirely filled with prophetic scenes and imagery. But so is the book of Daniel imagery Um, imagery uh, is is something that that maybe a writer uh, the Lord would dictate or inspire a man to write. He doesn't know what uh, what he's describing. So he's describing an image and we're going to talk about that in terms that were understandable for him and for the people he was writing to. So for instance, Paul would write, fight the good fight of faith, or run. He was, he was talking about wrestling. Um, and these words were images to the people that he would write to. Because, because in those days, um, there were games being played. There were 365 days of games and and there was wrestling. There was there was fighting. There was running. There was a hippodrome where people would race um, uh, chariots and and horses, and all of these things would take place. So so often the writer would write in imagery or terms that the current reader could understand. Some of these writings from the Book of Daniel very difficult to to describe. So he gave us. And everyone who would read his writings, an image of an animal. So in the end time, we're going to find nations or kings or kingdoms that would, that would exist right before the coming of the Lord. So tonight we'll start with Daniel chapter 7 and we'll just read a little bit. Um, may, maybe uh, maybe, we'll, maybe let's, let's do a little review of our large chart. And I don't know if this comes through live feed. A couple people said they they did not see this on the live feed, but that's the benefit of being in the service, and so uh, we, we can we can get this live this get this to you later. So I just kind of want to look through these ages here, and this is Daniel's 70th week, and in Daniel's 70th week, you're going to see um, you're you're going to see a timeline here, that that God gives Daniel. This, this image of 70 weeks. And each, each week uh, is equal to seven years. And so from the captivity uh, you're, you, of, of, of the, the Jews. All the way until, until the time of Jesus Christ. You can see uh, how these weeks are broken up. In fact there's 69 weeks in total. And then there's this pause here. And the pause is the, is the church age. And so there's 69 weeks until the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about, and we talked about it last week, when the Messiah is taken out or he is, is, he, is, he is killed. And then you have the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the church age. And then after that comes the tribulation after the church age is over. Now, here's another disclaimer. There are schools of thought. Everyone say schools of thought. So there are schools of thought. This, this means that they are educated opinions about a topic that cannot be exacted or determined. So a school of thought in this particular way is, is an idea of when the rapture takes place. Some people believe that the rapture will occur right before the seven years or when the seven year, last seven years take place or the, the last, the 70th week. Some people, and that's called Pre-trib, a pre-tribulation school of thought. Some folks believe that in the middle of the tribulation period, now remember, the Bible talks about three and a half years, 1,260 days, 42 months. The Bible speaks of this, that tribulation period starts, but the persecution begins in the middle. So while the whole seven years or the 70th week is the last week of tribulation or the last seven years of tribulation persecution begins in the middle so those who believe that the rapture will take place in the middle they would be called mid-tribulation theorist or that's the school of thought mid-trib which means that they believe that that the church will stick around for the middle of that and then there are some folks who believe that we'll go through a portion or all of the tribulation, which in, their, in that school of thought is called post-tribulation theorist. So there's pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. Now, there, there, there have been a lot of debate over this for many, many years. You can decide what you'd like to do. Would you like to leave before trouble, in the middle of trouble, or after trouble? Whatever you like to do. Find your supporting scripture. For me personally, I'd like to leave as soon as possible. It's a little joke. This is some serious business and people have gotten really uh, intense about, about where, that, where that lands. All I know is that you better be ready right now. You better be, get ready. You better get ready. Now, I could debate that. We're not in a forum to debate, and no one else has a microphone but me, and then we would just consume all the time in, in the debate as to as to where that lands. But there are people watching right now because they've already texted me and said, um, uh, Brother Harpole, I attend this church, and uh, we believe in um, post-tribulation. And if you're watching, then uh, we'll have to have that conversation according to the Scripture. Um, but what I'd like to do is just show you... That this is the basis. Now, if you're looking at this, as we start walking down through the prophetic word of Daniel chapter seven, there were some uh, application that that Daniel chapter seven applied to the Babylonian, Persian, Greek, and Roman empires. Um, But as I spoke to you, the last word in the first lesson was preterism. If we're not careful. We could, that could land in preterism. Well, pastor, what's preterism? I forgot, you know, okay. That preterism was the idea that all prophecies have already been completed and that, and that they were completed in the days of Jesus and it's done. Well, we don't believe in preterism because we believe that some of these things are still yet to come. Plus, we have supporting scripture that Daniel chapter seven, as we read through this, is, could be applied in duality to both the Babylonian, Captivity, the Persian, the Greek, and the Roman, but there's more to it than that. And I would submit that what I'm what I'm giving you tonight are are nations, kingdoms that exist today. Whew, that's a lot. Okay, I was trying to make this simple, but now I'm now I think we we got a little jumpy here. Wait up! All right, let's just read the Bible. Here's Daniel 7, 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. That's what Daniel said. I saw in my vision by night, behold, four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Four great beasts came up from the sea. Diverse, they were different from one another. Four great beasts. The first was like a lion, had an eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings were overplucked. plucked. Uh Uh-oh, they left. And it was lifted up from the earth, made stand up as a man. So in other words, the lion had wings and the eagle's wings, they were removed. They weren't wasted away, but those wings stood up as a man and had feet like a man and then also had a heart given to it. So it's almost as if in verse 4, there, it begins with a lion that has wings and then it, it's separated. There's, there are wings the wings evolve uh, into a man with a heart. Uh, that, that last line would be given, um, uh, would denote an emotion or in this particular sense, a compassion. Everybody got that? So let's do it again. Daniel has a dream. He sees the first beast. The beast comes out of the sea. It looks like a lion. It has wings. The wings now are plucked or moved. Now there's two entities instead of one. And the second entity, the wings stand up like a man; it has a heart, and that would be indicative of compassion. The second, behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, it raised up itself on one side; it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, "Thus unto it arise, devour much flesh." So it consuming. There's there's a death of of uh, a reality uh, of uh, humanity. So. This is, the beast is like a bear. Number six, or verse six. And after this I beheld and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now this is a power, uh, this one has a, a unique power. Dominion, dominion, in this way, would be um, uh, authority over much. Uh, when, when God spoke to Adam, he said, I'm going to give you dominion over all of the earth. And so this particular uh, beast that looks like a leopard has four heads, uh, it has dominion. And after this, in the night visions, they behold a fourth beast. Now, this one does not, it, it doesn't, it's not related to an animal. It's just a beast. This is the description: dreadful, terrible, strong seedly. It has great iron teeth, devour, it devour, breaks in pieces, stamped the residue of the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And here's its main description: it had ten horns. So Verse 17, we want to know well, what are these beasts? What what is the beast? What does it relate to? I mean, this and, ah, these are imagery. The four beasts, so within the same chapter, there's descriptions. The four beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. So this is this is in the future, there will be four kingdoms that will that will that will develop. On the earth, four king, for kingdoms. So in other words, kingdoms could also be nations. And so now, we know that the beasts are, though it's imagery, they are describing a nation. If you'll go down, there's a little bit more here. Verse 23, Daniel chapter 7, verse 23. And I read from the NIV here. God has given Daniel this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. So once again, we have... Four beasts, they are distinct in nature and outlook, and they describe kingdoms or nations. Uh, This is different from all the other kingdoms that will devour the whole whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. So in this particular moment, Daniel is looking into something that he cannot really describe. It's something that he does not know. In fact, even in his book, the, the, the book was sealed. It was not given for him to understand all of these things. Uh, But we we want to go back to to our earlier study and just relay that in Matthew chapter 24, a generation would not pass until all these things uh, were seen. Well, well, in the days of Jesus Christ, uh, these nations that that um, that are described here did not exist. But all of these nations exist today. All of them exist in your time. Um. Last week I spoke about the United States. We are really an infant nation. We're a baby nation. And we're not very old. Uh, our nation is, is fairly brand new. Compared to the, the, the multiplicity of generations throughout Europe and Asia uh, and Africa. Africa being the oldest. Some of the oldest lands in Africa. And then for all of you who, who understand geography. The Fertile Crescent. The Fertile Crescent, which is like it, it, you could almost see, a, like a large um, a bending of a, of the Fertile Crescent, that would start way up the top, and that's all that Middle East from Turkey all the way down, and and somewhere up top it would would be where the where the the Garden of Eden would have been, and so that is the origin of mankind. Um, those are very old lands. I've, I've been to Israel many times, and and the nation of Israel is very interesting because um, they'll, the, the Ministry of Interior will start a dig. You can't build a house without having a permit. Because if you dig down 10 feet, you might find another civilization. In some of the countries even around the world, uh, the, the, the city would burn and they would build on top of that burned uh, rubble. And then again and again, I've looked down at a well that was 30 feet below me and there is... The common ground next to that well, because some of those places were just burned, dirt was put on it, another foundation again, burn dirt, another foundation, and it just it, it elevated the area, and so the archaeologist will dig down to find layers like sediment in the rock of, of, or, of, of civilizations we don 't have any of that in the United States. Um, uh, what is beneath us are just maybe typical remains of probably a a few things that were left over, but not cities built upon one another. We're so absent of that. We've never been overrun. We've never, outside of 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, we've never seen uh, our nation invaded. That does not mean that we won't. I'm just saying that at this juncture, we have no memory of that. We do not know. I'll give a little sidetrack here. Let me just deviate and I'll come back to our lesson. This is why America has become so flagrant. We're removed from battle and from war. We don't know what America means. We don't understand how precious this land and what we have really means. And so another generation has has been given uh, false concepts and our universities and now our high schools and it's gone far beyond that now in lower grades have, have battled and have besmirched the very country that gives them the ultimate freedom to say the things. The flag of the United States is so powerful it allows its citizens to burn it. You can't do that in other countries or you could be uh, imprisoned. And so we don't understand the value that we have here. And yet we are open up our doors for ideology that would that would usher in uh, a false concepts of uh, that have been that that really is a spiritual is a spiritual battle at the end of the age. So I so when I'm looking at this. This scripture it could be very confusing well, well pastor what about all these animals and what does all this mean and, and and what does this mean for the end time and when will these nations exist well let's just stay in Daniel chapter 7 and let me read verse 11 and this is what Daniel wrote I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake I beheld even till the beast was slain, his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Yet they, they they lived; their their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And of course, um, what that means is that is that is that there there came a moment when when that last beast was destroyed, and so that's a great indication that. This prophecy has not yet taken place, but that it will take place. And so I'm, I'm, I want to go back just to look at these beasts of Daniel and describe a little bit what a school of thought might present. And this is uh, a common school of thought. It's my school of thought. But I'm, I, as I study and learn and look at this, um, uh, I am open to a challenge. But heretofore. There has been no challenge of this. Um, I do not believe. That. Um, that Babylon. And Persia. Um, and Greek and Greece. And Rome. Apply to Daniel chapter 7. Though those four nations. Did afflict the world. At one time. <clears throat> but there was no f- fourth beast given. And. And they do not fit into the to the to the concept or the framework of Daniel chapter seven. Now, let's just do it. Daniel chapter seven verse four: The first was like a lion, had eagles' wings. I beheld the wingle, eagle's wings were removed, and then it stood up like a man. There's only one nation in the world where we can describe this occurrence: the United States came out of Great Britain. And for thousands of years, at least over a thousand years, uh, Great Britain has always had the national symbol of a lion. And that lion represents the entire area or the nation. The United States, um, our national symbol, there's, there's, there are two actually national symbols from the inception of the United States. One was an eagle. So the eagle represents the United States, and specifically the bald eagle. Uh, Now, for you historians, um, Benjamin Franklin actually wanted the turkey to be our national uh, uh, emblem. But thank God someone had the good sense not to let the inventor uh, be the, uh, the graphic design artist. I don't know if you know this, but turkeys can die because if it rains, they'll just look up and open up their mouth. They can drown in the rain. This, these are facts. This, this is going to help you in your life, I'm sure, somewhere along the line. <laughs> but the other image of the United States is Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam's been around a long time. So this represents a man, and, and, and this is what he looked like. So how, do, how, can, we, how can we derive uh, both Great Britain and, and the United States from, from Daniel 7-4? Well, we broke off. That was called a revolution, We had a revolution and um, the red coats fought against the blue coats until everybody figured out, don't identify yourself. Um, And um, and so that was that was a liberation from from Europe or from Great Britain. We did not want to be taxed without fair representation today. um, I don't know what happened to us, but we are now taxed without representation. Um, You're represented to be taxed even more. Um, so maybe we shouldn't have broke off. But we broke off from the lion. We broke off. This is the only um, explanation of Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 4, that both Great Britain and the United States are represented. Well, as I said, America is a baby nation. We're not even, uh, we're not even 250 years old. So until America's Declaration of Independence... Until the late 1700s, and until we actually found our initial and, and granted freedom, uh, all of that, uh, this prophecy would not even have taken place. So now we have the United States of America. Uh, she is represented by an eagle. She stands up like a man, and she has a heart of compassion. It could be, the argument could be made that there's been no other nation in, in, in human history that has given more to other countries that they are not affiliated with. Our men and our women have died all over the world. Uh, I've been to the province of Normandy and there are there are graves there in the province of Normandy. There are there are places where there's nondescript graves where our soldiers in World War Two uh, they sacrificed their lives. Some of them didn't even get off the boat. Um, they died from gunfire as they stormed the beaches of Normandy. And so we, we gave our lives, our blood, and our treasure for the liberation of the world. Our great compassion was not to be an oppressor, but to be a liberator. That's what the Republic uh, meant, and that's what we did. We've done that. That's the reason why the whole world clamors to get into the United States. Not that we're a failing nation or an oppressive nation. They're coming here because we are the greatest nation and the freest nation in the world. That's why they're coming. And so we broke off from England. And England is the lion. She still stands as the lion. And the United States now is represented by the eagle and, of course, the heart of compassion. Um... If you go to the bear, the bear has always been represent, representative of Russia. Behold another beast a second like a bear and And in this particular uh, instance, um, that that bear um, has had a multiplicity of 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 powers. Um, of course, I was young. Um, and after World War II, uh, Berlin was cut in half. And for those of you who don't know this, um, the communism and, and capitalism, or the free market, um, Russia and the United States, uh, both held some sovereignty of Germany. And Germany was basically divided. There was a big wall that divided. And until President Reagan came... And the winds changed. He stood in front of that wall and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It was, a, it was one of the most great, it was, the, it was a banter day for freedom in Germany. And, and Russia uh, uh, retreated, but still the Soviet Union was a powerhouse until the Soviet Union was broken up. In the early 1990s, the Soviet Union was broken up. The Soviet Union had a multiplicity of nations around it. And the first time I was in Russia, I went to a city called uh, uh, Leningrad. Uh, Leningrad uh, was after the czar Lenin. And and so they called it Leningrad. It had been in bondage for 72 years. And um, the next year I went back, they changed the name back to St. Petersburg. And so there was a freedom. It wasn't ultimate freedom, but there was a change in the atmosphere. Now we have seen the breakup of the Soviet Union and and the world basically thought that Russia had had weakened itself, but it really wasn't weakened. In fact, it was very, very strong. And while it is engaged in a war right now, uh, we cannot underestimate the power of the bear. The bear has three ribs or bones, which which uh, constitute law in its mouth and it will break them. And so I don't want to travel down that road too far. All I want you to know is that now the lion and the eagle and the bear are existing in time, at the same time. And there is a fourth beast here, uh, or another beast rather, um, and, and this would be the third one. And the third one is the leopard, and the leopard is now representative. I'll read it to you. Uh, Daniel chapter six, and after this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had on his back four wings of fowl, the beast of the, and and it had dominion. So it had four heads. Um, just for our um, for our sake, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the leopard. Um, the The leopard uh, has to represent some nation, and this brings some. Consternation as to what that that would be. What is the leopard? Um, it's difficult because uh, if we attribute it to to Germany, we have to we have to work through some of the imagery of Germany because Germany has a black eagle as one of its main representatives, but it also has adopted a leopard. Uh, a leopard military devices, and they would call it a leopard. In fact, in World War II, the leopard tank uh, was ravaging the countryside. And so it becomes uh, more of an obvious nation uh, that it would be the leopard than any other nation, that in fact Germany would, uh, would be that nation. Uh, let's talk about the four heads and dominion, the four heads. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if you look at history, you'll find that, that Germany um, was part and parcel starting three great wars. The Franco-German War of 1870, World War I, and World War II. And uh, all of them were planned. They were plotted. They were started by the same nation of Germany. When Hitler rose in power in Germany... They called him the third, or his government was called the Third Reich. So that means it was the third time it had dominion over the world. I, once again, historians can tell you that Hitler had it all. He knew he, he, he had such great power. He was advancing too far, spreading out too thin. And the final day... Uh, He delayed too much. Of course, this was God's plan because it was not God's plan for Hitler to conquer the whole world. But he was defeated. And then Germany went into a state of of poverty again. It was divided, as I said. But Germany has become a powerhouse in all of Europe. In fact, the austerity measures of Germany has helped all the other nations. Which means that Germany lends money to other struggling nations. For instance, Greece has borrowed a lot of money from Germany. Germany has a powerful warehouse of funds and money, and so it is reasonable to say that Germany has risen again for the fourth time. If, uh, if I would present this to you, I would say tonight that the four the four elements presented so far, exist simultaneously for the first time in human history. The lion, the eagle, the bear, and the leopard, they are kingdoms or nations. They're existing in your time. They could, they could have existed before America came to be. But only three of them could have existed. They could have existed in some form before Hitler, but they would not have, they would not have described the four heads or dominion uh, that Germany now holds. So now today, in 2023, you have the representative of all the kings or nations existing in your time. And then comes the final beast. And this beast is dreadful and terrible. And the... Description of this beast is 10 horns. If you're looking at Revelation chapter 17, and I'll read it for you tonight Revelation 17 and verse 12. uh, Let me just get it for you. Here it is. And the 10 horns which thou sawest are 10 kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb. The lamb is Israel and the lamb shall overcome them. That means the lamb shall defeat those that make war for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So so in this particular realm, there's 10 horns. They represent kings or kingdoms. And out of the 10 horns come a small horn. So there's 11th one. And that small horn is also described as the son of perdition or the Antichrist. So it very well appears that there is another beast. And that beast has a conglomerate of, of rulers or powers that come together. They may be ten nations. They may be more than ten nations but represented in ten different forms. And out of that comes an Antichrist. Well, today we have something called the United Nations. And the United Nations have dozens and dozens of countries involved. But many of those countries rely upon one another. They rely upon um, all the, the, the prosperity of someone, someone else, food and supplies and commerce. But the United Nations is the perfect forum where the Antichrist can rise up. So I'm back to my school of thought it appears to me that Great Britain is alive, that the United States is represented by the eagle, that the bear is in existence and flexing her muscles today, that the leopard is on its fourth Reich or fourth dominion, and that the United Nations can easily give rise to an antichrist. The antichrist can rule the world from the platform of the United Nations. The United Nations was meant to stop the wars. It started at the First World War. Remember last week when I talked about, or the week before, I talked about World War I. And after World War I, there convened all these nations. They called it the League of Nations. And they called it the Great War. But then World War II came along and they realized the League of Nations does not help. And it didn't stop the war. So we're going to call it the United Nations. The United Nations building is in New York City. It is not, it is not considered a part of the United States, even though the building and the property is in New York, it's considered a world piece of property, that it belongs to the world. The laws of the United States do not apply to what happens inside of the United Nations building. <laughs> so so you've got this, you've got this, this area wherein. An antichrist can easily rise up, and the antichrist can rule. And we're watching uh, world wars taking place right now. No one wants to say we're in the World War III, but Russia and the United States are often in conflict with one another, and they fight vicariously first through the country of Syria, where Russian air air fighters uh, uh, fight uh, fight along fight against. Uh, american uh, American troops and and or or whoever we prop up, and then the same thing's happening in ukraine, and so you 've got two different places in the world, and now you have countries rising up against um, israel and and I Iran obviously is supporting all of those uh, efforts and they 're using these proxies these groups, so the United States is Actively, right now, over 70 attacks against um, vessels of the United States. We're shooting down small, uh, small missiles on almost a weekly basis, it seems like. So we're engaged in multiple different wars around the world. And that's to say nothing of the great country of China. And so what you have is a world conflict. This also follows suit With what the Bible says. Jesus said there will be wars. And there will be rumors of wars. Their knowledge shall increase. We've reached a point where. Knowledge has increased. Let me just back up a little bit. So in the medieval times. Knowledge for something to be false. Tomorrow. um, It would take about 200 years. (laughs) So. In other words. The Gutenberg press changed the way that books and, and documents were printed. Um, when when, when um, um, uh, Eli Whitney created the cotton gin, it changed the way that clothes and cotton was made. Um, when Benjamin Franklin um, uh, trapped and, and harnessed electricity um, um, and penicillin was created, it, it leaped us forward uh, many, many years. Now, it didn't take a couple hundred years for something to evolve and so in the early industrial age, it would take about 50, 60 years for something to be, to be outdated. Uh, very much like an analog tape uh, or a cassette tape, uh, which I don't know if any of you have a cassette tape. But if you have a cassette tape today, um, uh, you're old. Um, if you have an 8-track, you uh, well, you, you're, you're rich. You're rich. Actually, if you have an old LP of the Beatles, sell it and give it to the church because that thing's probably worth a couple thousand dollars. So so what happened was we leapfrogged into, into the next stage, the next stage. Well, in the 1980s, it only took a handful of years to obsolete things. And then the early 2000s, the moment you bought a computer, it was already outdated. In fact, the time when you, when you ordered it or you got it from Best Buy or wherever you bought that thing, by the time you bought it and brought it home and hooked it up and figured out how to work it, there was another one waiting um, to replace that. And today we've, we've gone so far, knowledge has increased, that now with a small computer chip, in fact, it's so, it's so small, you can't even see it with the naked eye. You can put the Britannica Encyclopedia, all the volumes on it. And what we don't know is that, is that our computer devices and our media devices that we're watching could actually be watching us. That's why the FBI puts electrical tape over their cameras uh, on their computers. Go figure. Why do they do that? It's, I don't want to be in conspiracy. All I want you to know is there is an incredible amount of technology. The doctor doesn't have to be in the room. He could be in some other country looking through the eyes and the lens of a camera to do surgery on your body. He can actually maneuver an instrument that, that is so small and do surgeries on, a, on someone, and he's in a remote location. That's what's happening today. Knowledge has increased so much it is actually a biblical sign. It's biblical proportions. You're living in the last day of time. You've got the appropriate nations. You have wars and rumors of wars. And then, there, and then you've got knowledge increasing. And then, as Paul would write, perilous times. In the last day, perilous times will come. And there will be great perversions in the world. Fifteen years ago, no one ever heard of a, of a child clinic for affirmation, for gender affirmation. Today, there's over 100 gender affirmation clinics in the United States. It is a grotesque practice that we have yet to see the end of. In fact, it is ruining an entire generation of young people. I will tell you, people are learning through the internet, through through all devices of media, Instagram, and YouTube, how to be... Uh, how to transition from one gender to the next. They're not born that way. They're learning that. And anyone who has any insecurity will find great comfort in doing something to their bodies. This is a perverse ideology, and it's a corrupt spirit that's infected our world. This is our world that we're living in right now. I, I don't know how to stress to you this, but money is now going to be changed into something else. We found out through the scripture, and Lord knows I can't get down through all of this, but the Bible says that there'll be no buying and selling without a mark or an ability of governance. The government would rather take away your currency so they can control your life. I'm not out in left field because right now there are social credits being given in China. If you don't measure up to what the government says you should do, you don't have a very good social credit. If you don't have a social credit that's high enough, you cannot travel, you cannot fly in an airplane, you cannot buy a car. And so in the last days, the mark of the beast, that son of perdition, that little horn that rises up out of all those other horns, that has great dominion and power and authority, he will dictate the commerce of the world. So let's just dig down a little bit. Let's scatter some dirt out. This is how, for many many decades, the world operated, because you've got a country over here, and that country is called, well, let's pick any country. Let's let's say that country is um, uh, uh, Ireland, or let's say that country is Madagascar, and they produce a product, and um, or or they're in Japan, they produce a product, and. And Japan wants to sell their car or their product uh, to Great Britain or to, um, uh, to Ireland or, or some country. Well, the currencies are different. In years past, if they wanted to use the yen and they wanted to, to, to buy something from France, and that currency was called the franc, and um, then they, they couldn't do it because the currencies didn't match up. They weren't of the same value. So one might be worth a lot more and one might be worth a lot less. So what they did was they traded their currency into the American dollar. So, so the, 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 the people from France would train their, uh, trade their francs into the American dollar. And the people from Japan would trade their yen into the American dollar. And then they would buy their products to the American dollar. That's called the IMF, International Monetary Fund. And that's how all commerce in the world takes place through the International Monetary Fund. That's why you get to borrow money that you don't have because America gets to print her own money. That's also a huge problem because we're living in continual budget deficits. No other country gets to do what we get to do in the way that we get to do it. So you're trillions and trillions of dollars in debt and we're just going down this road because everybody wants a free handout. Everyone wants a free meal. Everyone wants, to have, everyone wants to have everything for free. And so the government says, we want to give it to you for free. Vote for us and we'll give you a handout. And I'm not the first to say it, but no one can ever beat Santa Claus. He's unbeatable. No one can usurp Santa Claus. Santa Claus gives you stuff for free. That's the American government. The problem is that... We're in such debt that our money is getting worth less and less every day. Every day our money, and countries are watching that, and they're saying, we don't want to go through the IMF. We don't want to trade our our currency, the euro for the yen. We want to just go direct. We want to bypass the United States. The moment that the world starts to bypass U.S. currency, our economy is going to collapse and we'll be like a banana republic. In 1929, when the collapse happened, none of us understand that. Not, our, our history books, our public schools don't ever talk about this. They never say anything. All they want you to know is what pronouns you should use. It is a travesty what's happening. But you could take a barrel of, of $100 bills and you could not buy a loaf of bread. That's called a banana republic. When you've got so much money, it can't, it's not worth anything. It's not worth. And that's why we had a gold standard. Oh, I'm way off now. It's, it's coming out of me here. The gold standard was our money was backed by gold. But we removed that in the early part of the, of the 20th century. We removed it because that was constrictive. We couldn't borrow money if we were backed by an amount or a weight of gold. When we remove that, that leverage, that means we could borrow any kind of money and print any kind of money that we wanted to. So, well, what does this have with the end time? It has everything to do with the day that you're living in. Because now we have figured out we don't need cash to have commerce. We can have Cryptocurrency. We can have digital currency. I have a cell phone, and from time to time, uh, someone uh, in my family will say, Dad, can you send me some apple cash? Hunting around, where's the apple cash? Where's the apple cash? I didn't see no apple cash. I got apples, I got grapes, I got bananas. No apple cash. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. No, No apple cash. I got some other fruit, any other fruit. How about pear cash? No, apple cash. Apple Cash, there it is. It's right there on my phone. It says Apple Cash. Dad, when you get some Apple Cash, keep it, because we need your Apple Cash. Now, of course, I'm getting ripped off by my family uh, all the time. I, I know this, something's awry. Going, it's, it's, it's going wrong here. This is a digital currency, and all of you deal in Apple Cash right now. We're dealing in Apple Cash. We're dealing in cryptocurrency We've tested the waters, and the waters feel good. And so in a blink, we now know that actual currency could be wiped away or there could be control. Now, this some of this sounds, oh, pastor, this is conspiracy, all the stuff that you're talking about. No, this is actual Bible that we're talking about a day when the Antichrist can dictate all the buying and the selling. How can he do that? The Bible says you'll take a mark on your on your hand or your forehead, and without that mark, you cannot buy or sell. Well, is it a literal mark? Literal mark? I don't know, but I do know that there's a new thing called R-I-F-D, and it's a chip, and that chip makes a lot of sense because you can put that chip uh, in, different, in different bodies, and, and it can track things. We've been doing this for a long time with dogs. You can go down to your, your airport vet, and if you want to put a chip under the skin of your animal— and if that animal runs away, uh, you, you can track where that animal is. And this has been tested on a lot of people, a chip in their, in their body or just under the skin. It's not uncomfortable. Think of all the advantages that they'll tell us that we need the chip for. First of all, you'll never be prescribed the wrong medication. You don't have to have any of your bank records. You'll never overdraft. You'll have a constant GPS. There there will be no longer, no need for an Amber Alert because everyone will know where you are. There's a lot of logical reasons why the chip or some mark can be easily implemented into populations. You can say, well, Pastor, no one has that kind of control. Three years ago, they controlled everything that you did and where you went and where you stood and how far away you could stand from people. And if you stood too close, people get angry. People were arrested if they didn't have a mask on properly. In fact, if the mask slipped beneath your nose, people are freaking out. You don't think that the governments of the world, they don't know? This is lining up the spirit of the age and all the things that I've said. There's so many things, and I've left so many things out tonight. As I said, you cannot exhaust it. All I can tell you is this. This day that you're living in, you have never, ever, no generation has ever been this close with this many signs lined up right before the end of the age. Let let me just read to you this scripture. This is the good news. And I've got to read the good news because Lord knows we've got to have some good news. Daniel chapter seven, verse 27. And the kingdom and dominion And the greatness of the kingdom under the whole earth shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. That's the church. Whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And there's going to come a time when these kingdoms that I described to you, these nations will rise up. But at the end of that, the Lord is going to be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we're going to rule and reign with him forever. Amen. Now I have... Pages and pages and pages of, of notes. But I just want you to be aware that we're living in the last time. And so if you could put that first screen up of Daniel's 70th week, I just want to show it to you one more time before we leave. In this day of the church age, we have the freedom to spread the gospel. And that gospel that we are spreading... Um, there you go, and that gospel that we are spreading, it is virtually unfettered. What kind of freedom that we have? We have the freedom to preach the gospel. We have the freedom to obey the scripture. To have Bibles, this is an ultimate freedom. I, I don't, I don't want anyone to become fearful, but we have a couple Canadians that can testify to this. In Canada, uh, there have been arrests made of of ministers. That have spoken out against things that that I speak out against. And they've been arrested for it. And so I'm not foolish enough to think that I'll be able to preach what I'm preaching about sin. Without having some official noticing who I am. And once again I'm not a conspiracy but also I'm not ignorant. We're live. This is out in the ethos People are paying attention, and not everybody's paying attention because they really are interested in being saved. Don't think for a moment that someone, hello, is not watching me and saying, okay, there's a trouble, there's trouble right there. There is somebody who could be an insurrectionist that could stand against the government in the future. Because today, the most dangerous people are the Christians that believe in the Bible. That's right. Now, really, we're not dangerous. We're truth-tellers, but you're relaxed here. you got a nice seat. So I would just say to everybody, you better get on fire for God. I want to end with this scripture. And I don't have my reference in front of me. The Bible says, if you cannot keep up with the, horse, with the soldiers, with the footmen, how are you going to keep up with the horsemen? Right now, we're just marching, but there's going to come a day When the horsemen are going to start running. Mm -hmm. All right. Now here's my pastor hat. I know not everybody is in the building tonight, and I'm hoping that you're watching. It's time for us to get serious about the church and the gospel. It's time for us to get very serious what we're doing here. There's a couple people who like to complain about everything, and I know you're on your way out. But I just want to call you one more time. And say the Lord put you in this place for a reason. He appointed you to be in this house. And you ought to be in this house. Amen. And don't let anything get in your way. Because things are going to get in your way. And in the grand scheme of things they are nothing. They are a speck. They are a splinter. That's right. I'm speaking to some people that are not here tonight. I hope you're watching. It's time to get back in the church. Jump back in. Come on, get back in. This is the moment you've been appointed to be in this house. Amen. Praise God. All the people said amen. And I will caution all of us together that when we're dealing in prophecy, we're looking online. Be very careful. There's a lot of misnomers and conjectures and we want to understand what is definitive and, and what is uh, possibility, what's a possibility, what's a school of thought. And we want to make sure that we're right. There's a whole lot of things I didn't go over. There's, there's a 200 million man army. There's, there's, there's a day when there'll, there'll be two witnesses that will be seen of all the world. This is the only day that two witnesses can be seen. The Bible talks about two witnesses. Where are they going to be? They're going to be preaching the Messiah is Jesus Christ. And they're going to be preaching that on the streets of Jerusalem. And they're going to be shot and killed and left for dead for three days laying in the street with their bodies riding away. Because that is a great insult to not be buried right away. But the Bible says those two witnesses are going to get back up. They're going to come back to life. How could all the world see that? They couldn't see that in 1850. They couldn't see that in, in 1215. They couldn't see that. They can see it now through the internet. The whole world can see one image at one time simultaneously. Amen. This is the day. Here's the day. Amen. Okay. Praise God. Happy birthday. <laughs> Never mind, it's just a <laughs> Please stand with me if you will. Amen. I want to pray a prayer but it's not a good prayer. It's kind of offensive. Let me not close my eyes and just say it. I pray that no one's dumb. That no one's lazy enough to be lost. I'm praying that you won't be a slug. That's not, that's not a good prayer. It's, I don't think I've ever prayed that prayer. I'm not really praying that prayer. I, I pray that there'd be fire in your belly and fervency in your heart and you'd be on fire for God and you couldn't wait to tell somebody about Jesus. I pray that you won't be a compromiser and negotiator with your holiness standard. Stop fooling around. The Lord's coming back. That's a minimal cost to be separate from the world. Be separate from the world and everything. Don't talk like them. Don't think like the world. All right. Well, okay. Amen. That's my prayer. And if you walk away and say, what, what did pastor teach you about? He said, well, stop being a slug. Okay, we'll take that too.